It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Matt Hausman, your host for the Smart Money Questions Podcast and smartmoneyquestions.com. Make sure to check out that website. And today I'm going to go over a couple questions that uh, we actually got through our email at smartmoneyquestions.com. But also, we've actually been going through these exact scenarios and discussions with clients over the course of the last month. It's been interesting how that's been happening over the last, I don't know, six, eight months where questions have been coming in and we've actually been working with clients on those exact topics and subjects. And so just as a reminder, you know, one of the things I like to do, and I use this podcast and smartmoneyquestions.com, the website, as a way to take the experiences that we have here with our clients and the different situations and scenarios that they're dealing with, and then be able to kind of put it out there to help increase your knowledge, if anything, to increase the idea of making sure that we're asking the right questions in whatever situation, however customized it is for you, to get you thinking about really going down the path, asking the right questions to get to the best result for you. And it's not always financial, but many times it does have some type of a financial aspect to it. So um, before we jump into those questions today, I want to make sure that we deal with the disclaimer... Please don't take any of the information or ideas or suggestions that I offer in today's show as direct advice for you. Please use it as information and education that you then can discuss with your advisor. Now, if you don't have an advisor or you would like for us to be your advisor, I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. And it's real simple. All you have to do is go to www.speakwithmat.com. That's www.speakwithmat.com. And my online scheduler is right there. You can go right in. You can schedule a 15 or 30-minute phone conversation. And quite frankly, at the end of that first call, we're going to have a good idea. Does it make sense to have a second conversation? So again, very low-key. Go right into the online scheduler. You don't even have to get on the phone with anyone to schedule this. So again, speakwithmat.com, www.speakwithmat.com and schedule it there. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on to today's show. All right, let's jump into the question. I'm just going to start with the question. It's very simple. Sherry in Florida, are reverse mortgages a bad idea? Now, before I go through this, a couple things. Just recognize I am not a licensed mortgage or reverse mortgage provider. So, what I'm going to go through today is just for informational purposes only. But, uh, Sherry, I actually did it. I'll make sure to have it included on the show notes page. I interviewed a gentleman who was the director of reverse mortgages uh, February of 19, I think is when we posted. We'll make sure to include that. But I interviewed him to go over many of the myths, including some of the ones that I thought were accurate, to go over those myths about reverse mortgages to be able to look at, are reverse mortgages a bad idea? Now, the reality is... And I just had a client in this week that the only thing we were discussing was the idea of, 
is a reverse mortgage a good idea for them? And what they came in to have a better understanding was, is exactly how do they work? And what are my feelings on it? So the one thing to realize about a reverse mortgage in your situation is the thing that I would make sure that you're, and this is what I discussed with them. You want to make sure that, first of all, it has to be your primary home. Let's go over the requirements, first of all. Reverse mortgages, you have to be 62 years old, and it has to be your primary home. And quite frankly, you have to have a good amount of equity in the home. That's the first thing. But basically, it's a federal program. Once you're over 62, you're going to qualify. Then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be based on the home value and your primary home. But one of the things I talked with the clients today, and actually I I discussed it with Harlan on that interview, is you want to make sure that the home that you're looking to utilize this reverse mortgage, whether it's one you're living in now or possibly where you're looking to move or relocate, it needs to be a home that you are looking to be in for an extended period of time. Seven to 10 years is a minimum on where I would suggest possibly, possibly looking to see if a reverse mortgage is a good idea. My preference in discussing this with clients is this is your forever home. This is where I am planning on being until I meet the maker. Now, and we all know things can change, but the intention is your forever home. But at a minimum, this isn't something where you're, you know, you're going to go buy a condo and go move to Florida. And, ah, I'm going to stay here for a couple years and then I'm going to go somewhere else. No. You want to be looking at this is where I'm going to be seven to 10 years plus, but preferably your forever home. Why? Why do I say that? Well, quite frankly, the closing costs on a reverse mortgage are going to be considerably more than a traditional mortgage. And there's numerous reasons why that's the case. But the reality is the cost is still much more expensive, in some cases three times more than what your average traditional mortgage closing costs are going to be. So you really have to consider the cost to entry. And so that's why I recommend seven to 10 years plus because of those closing costs. You know, that's why we don't want to just be jumping around with these. Really making sure that we're analyzing how long, and we're really taking into consideration how long are we going to be here? If it's going to be more than that time period or it's their forever home, maybe this is something we really, really need to look at. Now, the other thing to understand about reverse mortgages is you want to understand how they work. And there's different types of reverse mortgages. There's the traditional reverse mortgage, and then there's the reverse mortgage line of credit. They operate completely differently. They're going to have, you're going to get access to that equity in your home in different ways. And so understanding how that works is extremely important. Now, my preference on on the different types is you want to be looking at a reverse mortgage line of credit. And it's exactly what it says it is. It's a line of credit, but it's structured differently than a traditional home equity line of credit. And as you go through and you really review that, you'll find that there are many benefits to having that reverse mortgage line of credit, the way that they're structured, there's, a, there's many positives that are contractually in the reverse mortgage line of credit that can really benefit you. Now, on the flip side, you want to understand how those potential benefits can work because they can also turn around and bite you if you're not understanding exactly how you're going to use this reverse mortgage line of credit. So again, going through and analyzing those different types, what's going to be the best situation for you, 
and what you are trying to accomplish. Now, one of the things with uh, many of the clients that have talked to us about it, including the people that were in uh, earlier this week, is this can be a great way to reduce cash flow obligations and still utilize the equity that we have in what is traditionally a hard asset or our primary real estate. And so it can, again, it can really increase our cash flow or decrease uh, liability expenditures. And we want to be able to understand how is that going to fit into our plan while accessing or having the option to access when we want that equity that's in our home. So that's one of the real benefits. Now, the other thing is we don't just want to, after we understand how that works and the benefits, it's kind of like a traditional line, uh, home equity line of credit. We just don't want to go pulling money out of our home for no reasons without a purpose. Uh, one of the things I remember Harlan talking about in the interview was the idea we don't want to be a drunken sailor heading to Vegas, right? We want to make sure that we, again, we understand it, we understand how we're going to use it, and we're disciplined in that approach. Now, all of that being said, the one thing that there is a myth that's out there that many times clients will will ask us about, and that is the idea of maybe at some future time getting kicked out of our home if we have that. So whether you, you're single or married, at some future time, as long as it is still your primary home, regardless of the mortgage balance or the value of your home, they can't kick you out. And if you're married, and let's say one of the spouses passes away or has to leave the home due to needing some type of uh, health care, is that they can't kick the surviving spouse out or the one that is still living in the home. As long as you're living there and it's still your primary home, you can live there. They can't come in and kick you out. It's only when you are no longer in the home as your primary home. Yes, the reality is, you know, based on how they're written, if that's no longer your primary home, yeah, they actually could come and do that. But at least while you're living there, they can't. So once we understand and we get rid of that myth, Now, if we're still thinking, hey, this might be a viable option, then we really want to jump into the idea of how is it going to fit into our plan. And my recommendation here, and this is what I told the clients that were in earlier this week, this is the offer that we give to every client, and we have assisted other clients over the course of the last couple years that have gone down this road, is I recommend, yes, you want to go find a mortgage, reverse mortgage specialist, but you're not only talking with that person. You want to have another advocate that understands how reverse mortgages work and how you want it to be incorporated into your overall planning. So whether that is you're bringing in another or your financial advisor or a CPA or an attorney, you want to make sure they understand how it's going to work and how you're wanting to incorporate it. So now you have an advocate there that's working on your side of the table in conjunction with the, more, the reverse mortgage specialist. We don't just want to be dealing directly, or my recommendation is this, my opinion is, you don't just want to be dealing with the reverse mortgage specialist and just have them trying to sell you something, and they have no clue on how this is going to fit in to your overall plan. You know, we we actually do that with people that are purchasing homes with traditional mortgages, you know, again, or refining with where the rates are right now. You know, we're going to be, we're not licensed mortgage professionals, but we want to be sitting and be helping the client know the questions to ask to make sure that whatever they are looking to provide 
the client, or in this case, you, maybe you're even not a client, but your advocate is there to make sure that you're going down the road of really understanding what you're getting into, most importantly, how it's going to fit into your plan before you look to sign the document. So, you know, Sherry, going back to your question, is a reverse mortgage a bad idea? In some cases, yeah, it probably shouldn't be used. In other cases, I believe it is a good idea. And that's why I would recommend going through these steps to find out if it makes sense for you. Or, you know, one of the things that's uh, happened is we have clients where they're calling about their parents. Sherry, maybe you're calling about your parents or a friend and I would still tell them the same thing. Make sure that you're going through these different steps before you just sign on the dotted line. So, Sherry, hopefully that's helpful. If you have any questions or you want to ask personal questions, feel free to reach out to us, 610-719-3003, or you can go right to speakwithmatt.com. That's www.speakwithmatt.com. Schedule a 15- or 30-minute conference call. I'll be more than happy to go through those questions with you. All right, so let's jump into the next one. This is Riley in Texas. My dad just died a couple weeks ago. Uh, sorry for your loss there, Riley. The question is, what should I be doing to make sure that mom is okay financially? We have a client that's going through this exact situation right now, um, essentially about the last six weeks. And these are the things that I've been going over with her as she is dealing with this. First and foremost, my suggestion is you sit down with mom and you go through and take an inventory of all of the assets that your parents have. You know, they could have joint accounts. Maybe there's an account that was just in your dad's name and, and also your mom's name. And you also want to take an account, an inventory of all of the liabilities that are there. Of course, just the normal monthly type bills, you know, the cable, the internet bill, you know, the power bill, what have you. Is there still a mortgage uh, on the property? You know, all of those things. First of all, take an inventory on what they are. Then as you're going back over and you're going through the inventory, it's real important to understand the different tax buckets that those assets are in. What do I mean by that? Are they traditional retirement type accounts, 401ks, IRAs, 403bs? Are they taxable accounts? checking account, savings account, uh, maybe a traditional brokerage account. The next would be, are they tax-free type of instruments? And that's where you get into Roth IRAs, which are also considered qualified retirement accounts, and life insurance with cash value or regular life insurance. Once you have done that, is that and you understand where those assets are from a tax perspective, you then want to look at, okay, Hopefully, dad had beneficiaries on all of these financial assets. And if, they, if he did, then you're going to want to be discussing with the various uh, custodians or institutions that are holding those assets on filing on how do we move those monies to mom in a most efficient way. Okay, keep in mind, Going back, the beneficiary forms that are on these financial assets, they bypass probate, which means it doesn't matter what dad's will says. And you also, you don't have to go through the probating process to get those assets to mom. That's why the beneficiary forms, making sure they're current and up to date is extremely 
important. Now, more than likely, the situation is even in, in dad's will, everything moves to mom. But if we don't have to go through the probate process, that means mom getting access to those assets, one of your questions, financially okay, is extremely important. We want her to be able to have those assets as soon as possible. The next thing you want to look at is in that inventory, do you see any life insurance? If life insurance is there, my suggestion is you file a claim as soon as possible. You contact the insurance company. You let them know that uh, dad has passed. Usually, they're going to have to send you a claim, like a, a form. They're going to mail it out to you. And in there, it's gonna, you're going to have to fill out his information, the life insurance information, what have you, and then send it back to them along with uh, a death certificate. Usually, the death certificate is going to have to have on there the cause of death. And so it's real important to get that filed because usually that, that claim process can take anywhere from 30 to 60 days before that life insurance is paid out. Now, one of the things to realize about life insurance too, when that comes to your mom, that is a tax-free transfer to her. Okay, so it's uh, that money, and once it gets there, you know, maybe some a lot of times clients will just dump it into the maybe the checking account or the savings account, but it's going to be tax free as it comes over to mom. Now, some of those other assets I spoke about in the tax buckets, different tax buckets, especially the IRAs, you want to understand now, does it make sense to transfer that IRA into mom's IRA if she has one, or does it make sense for her to take this as a beneficiary IRA? You know, with the recent changes in the SECURE Act and what changes there, and even, and she has certain spousal exceptions on how to move those qualified retirement accounts. That's where you're going to want to talk to an advisor on what's going to be most advantageous for her on how to move those assets. The other thing I would tell you now is looking at the living arrangements. Where is she living? Can mom stay in the home? Is she physically able to stay in the home? Is she emotionally wanting to stay in the home? Or should she move? Did they own their home? Should she sell? And if there's a, maybe there's, the assets aren't there to cover the bills, does it make sense to sell the home? Because that could be the biggest asset that they had or they have, and then be able to use those monies for her future living expenses. So again, understanding in the sale of that home, most of that money that would come to mom should be tax-free. Um, she has an exemption on um, in the event you look to sell that home on any gain. So it's real important to be looking at that and also physically and emotionally. I can speak in, uh, from my, in my personal situation when my dad passed uh, almost nine years ago is that um, my mom at the time wasn't ready to move. One of the things I was talking to her about you know, my sister at the time lived in Tampa. My mom was down in uh, Bradenton, Sarasota area. I'm up here. And uh, things started happening with the home. You know, different repairs were needed and service was needed. And something my dad normally would have handled. Well, now, you know, my dad's not there. One of the things I was talking to mom about, hey, I think we really need to look to sell the home. Let's sell the home. Let's get to a position where, uh, in, in her case, we looked at rentals. Why? Because if it's a rental situation, then I know, and my sister knows, all my mom has to do, if there's any servicing type of issues, the AC goes, you know, the roof is leaking, what have you, she picks the phone up, makes a call, and somebody else is coming to take care of that for her. In that case, it, it was probably about, I don't know, eight or nine months. Uh, and then my mom was um, emotionally ready to move. 
And she did. And she would tell you still to this day, it's the best thing she ever did. She's still in the same place that she moved to, and she absolutely loves it. But again, that's a discussion. Maybe you don't have immediately right now. It's still too new. But you know, two or three months down the line is be looking at that living situation and what's going to be best for her. The other thing to look at with regards to liabilities is are most of the liabilities joint liabilities, meaning your mom, let's say it's a credit card and they're joint on there, or are some of these liabilities, are they just in your dad's name? Now, if they're just in your dad's name, there it could be that those don't have to be paid. But I would suggest that you consult an attorney regarding that. But we have seen it where if the, uh, even with a married couple, now some of this depends on the state that you're in, to my understanding, is that if the liability is only in one spouse's name and that spouse passes, that liability passes along with it and doesn't move to the surviving spouse. But again, this is where you're going to want to speak with an attorney to see if that is true and what your options are. Let's say it's a very large liability, what your options are on paying back that liability. So listen, Riley, again, if you need any assistance with that, um, I know you know right now dealing with it being so new, that's an emotional issue. We certainly, at least initially, don't want to be talking about finances, but the reality is, as you mentioned here, we want to make sure that mom's okay financially. Feel free to reach out to us. Again, 610-719-3003 or speakwithmatt.com. Again, www.speakwithmatt.com. Com. Well, listen, everyone, those are the two questions that I had today that I wanted to make sure to get out there to you. I hope it's been valuable and helpful. If you have a question or scenario that you want us to deal with, feel free to reach out to us. You can just email us at info at smartmoneyquestions.com or you can go right to smartmoneyquestions.com. You'll see there's a um, Ask Matt a question. You can go right there, leave a voicemail, send an email, and we'll get it and make sure that we can address it. If you have a situation that is more personal and you want to reach out to us directly, again, you can do that at speakwithmatt.com or 610-719-3003. That's all I've got today. Everybody, take care. We'll talk soon. Thanks.